How long have you had the Instagram page for? Three years. Wow. Yeah. It's pretty good. How did you how did you market it? What did you do? I mean, it's a beautiful page. Thank you. I don't even I didn't really like market it. I just posted like I try to post at least five times a week and like Yeah. I don't know. I think at the beginning it kind of took off because I got regrammed from big accounts like Whole Foods and Food Fifty Two oh. and Food and Wine. And like when that happened, I remember the first time it happened, I got like a thousand followers and like one go my phone died. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, what is just happening? going off? This is Van Color. My name is Mo Amir, and today on This is Van Color, we're going to talk about something that we do every day, multiple times a day, hopefully, sometimes engorged in pleasure, sometimes idly doing it like a disinterested slob. We're going to talk about eating, but more importantly, we're going to talk about nutrition and making mindful choices for optimal wellness. We're also going to talk about how nutrition is framed and discussed in the media. My guest today is a registered dietitian in both Canada and the United States, having completed her master's degree in clinical nutrition at New York University and her clinical training at Mount Sinai Medical Center in Manhattan. She has come home to Vancouver this summer to start her practice. She has a beautifully curated Instagram that is dedicated to showing you how simple ingredients used in creative ways can indeed make healthy eating accessible and yummy. You can find her on the internet at Walder Wellness. Ladies and gentlemen, Carrie Walder. Carrie, how are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. That was quite the introduction. (laughs) (laughs) My my pleasure. Well, you have quite the resume. You're obviously very well read, very well Mm -hmm. educated. And what caught me about you was your Instagram page. It's so, it is beautiful. Like, it's really cool to go through and see different recipes. And Mm -hmm. mine (laughs) mine never turn out... that way I think they taste good but they never look the way that you I mean I think that's an important (laughs) distinction to make so many people are like oh my god I can never cook like you and I'm like honestly this is scrambled eggs and avocado (laughs) toast or oatmeal like it just is styled a certain way because if I didn't do that no one would click on the pictures right um but you know I don't usually not every meal I eat looks like that for sure that would be crazy yeah it's still an art though yes it's an art but it's fun it's a fun way to be creative totally so I've been bugging you for weeks and (laughs) frankly I cannot contain myself any longer I need to know since I drink kombucha GT's original by the way not the over sugared stuff that's like mixed with juice am I a healthy person (laughs) I mean, like, I drink kombucha every day, and I've been told that it's the elixir of life, so I'm going to live to be 200, right? (laughs) I mean, I don't think we can just put it down to one uh, one behavior, of (laughs) course. No, unfortunately, it's not that easy. Um, You know, kombucha, definitely, there is some research behind it. Um, A lot of it is done in animal studies um, to show you know, if it's like antimicrobial or liver protective or any of that kind of stuff. So Mm -hmm. there's not that much science in that area. But when it comes to gut health, which I think is what most people um, are drinking it for, I would assume that, you know, it's probiotics and whatnot. 
Um, yeah, I think there's a place for it in a healthy diet. I don't think it has to be drank every single day. <laughs> um, that's a really expensive habit. Also, you know, like one bottle is about $6 and I did the math. That's like $180 a month on kombucha. Um, Some, you, you have to get the deals, okay? Sometimes like Whole maybe Foods. Maybe Costco or something. Well, Whole Foods will run like a, a, a two for seven. Okay. Two for seven dollars. A little bit of a discount. (laughs) Um, I like that you said that you try not to get the overly sugared ones because some of them do, you know, most of them have about 12 grams of sugar in Mm -hmm. there, which is, you know, like three teaspoons of sugar. Um, Mm. So it's definitely something to be mindful of. And there's a lot of different foods that you can eat for those gut health benefits that are a bit more inexpensive and, um, you know, more of like a whole food. So, right. So, Kombucha is not going to compensate any <laughs> cheats in my diet or bad habits in my nutrition. No, but I think there's there's a there's a place for it. And I think if you're someone who's going from drinking soda every single day to replace it with kombucha, is definitely a step in the right direction. Okay, <laughs> so good, good to enjoy know. it um, as, as you like. But yeah. um, is is the boot still popular in New York, or have they gone beyond it now? Oh God, I don't even know. <laughs> the trends there are just like so crazy. Um, I'd say it's still popular. I really, whenever I would have, like sometimes I just crave one and mm-hmm. I really liked a brand called Health Aid. I don't know if you even have that here in Canada. I don't think I've heard of that one. Okay. No. It's good if you see it. <laughs> I feel like GT's is the big one, mm-hmm. Rise, and then um, there's a lot of craft, uh, craft right, kombucha there are, here. Yeah. 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 Those are, it's always fun to try new flavors and stuff. Totally. Yeah. So you just moved back to Vancouver. Obviously you were studying uh, in New York, mm-hmm. um, was the plan always to come back to, to Vancouver? Uh, not really. No? <laughs> <laughs> um, it, I really didn't know. I mean, I, I've always really had this deep love for New York City. Like, mm-hmm. the first time I visited, I was 15, and I went with my dad, and I remember being like, this is where I'm going to live. Like, yeah. I'm just going to do it somehow. And um, I ended up finding this program that really fit my educational background and what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I went there, I, you know, I didn't really have an end in mind. Like I was just like going to go with it. My program was actually a total of four years, even though it was grad school, it was because I had to do some prerequisite courses and then like a year long, um, like clinical training. Right. Um, but when I finished, I, you know, I guess, as you mentioned, I kind of, I built up this Instagram page and it was quite big and I I really wanted to work for myself and just like give it a shot Mm -hmm. so it was kind of really complicated with finding like what visa would be appropriate for that because I'm not American right so like the one visa that I was eligible for after graduating like I could have worked for myself but I would have had to report every single freelance or like contract job that I did to the government and mm-hmm. prove to them how it was directly related to what I studied. Oh, and interesting. Yeah, it was so weird. And then after a year, that visa was would no longer be valid and I would have to figure it out again. <laughs> right. So yeah, it just, it just kind of was a lot and I didn't have, like I had good friends there and I met really incredible people doing cool things, but I didn't have my family and like my really close friends and that kind of support network that is really nice when you're starting a business Mm -hmm. um so it was it was a pretty last minute decision to come back actually I you know I took the board exam to become a dietitian 
in the States in at the end of March, and then I had to take the Canadian one in May. Okay. So doing that, <laughs> I know it was, and I finished were my they, master's. Were they similar? <laughs> they were actually really different. Really? Okay. Yeah, I know. I mean, the, the material is, like, the knowledge is the same, but the test was so different. Like Interesting. Yeah, the American one was, like, pure memorization and two hours, whereas the Canadian one was four hours. Wow. And very situational. Yeah. So it was. It was a lot. <laughs> in, in the in the few months you've been back, mm-hmm. and obviously you 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 went back and forth between yeah. New York and Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you compare Vancouver as like a health conscious, trendy wellness city compared to New York? Because I feel like New York and LA sort of set the standard in terms of like what's trendy, um, but we like to think of ourselves as that way as well. So yeah, I mean, I think they're really comparable. I always feel mm-hmm. like it started in Vancouver. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? I feel like here we had that, like the Lululemon craze came out yeah. and people were making fun of us for always wearing leggings every day. But now in New York, you buy like $300 leggings to fit in, right? So mm-hmm. I feel like Vancouver is very on par. Obviously in New York, it's kind of, everything's kind of on steroids there. So like I, <laughs> It's just so much bigger, it's just, it's right? It's so much bigger. There's so many more people. It's kind of the center of everything. And I know I lived in, when I was there, I lived in the Flatiron District. So that's kind of like the workout district. And okay. I'm actually not a huge boutique fitness person, but there were like 10 workout studios on every block. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> um, what was the craziest workout that you tried in New York? Was there anything? I couldn't even, I honestly, like, I barely even, like, went to that many workout classes. <laughs> I am very much, like, I go to the gym and, like, put my headphones on and yeah. lift some weights. You keep it basic. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's really expensive. Like, in New York, heard, it, yeah. yeah, like, one of the, like, a class is, like, $40 a class. And it's, wow. Yeah, American. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, to do that three times a week is kind of, I mean, if it's your priority, then that's great, but. Totally. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about your work. Um, You know, let's just start right from the beginning. For someone who hasn't given it a lot of thought, and I know that I hadn't until a few years ago when I started drinking kombucha, of course, (laughs) um, what is nutrition? And I guess a larger question to what is nutrition is, what should the overall goal of nutrition be for everyone? Gosh, that's that's a hard question. I think... I mean, nutrition is so much more than just foods that make you gain or lose weight, right? right. Like food, you know, all those macronutrients, like the protein, the carbs, the fat, all the micronutrients, like they all play such an important role and multiple roles in our body. Mm-hmm. So eating well is, it's important to have, to make your body function optimally, right? So mm-hmm. I think the goal for everyone is a little bit different depending on where they're coming from, right? So if you're someone who has type 2 diabetes, your goal might be to control your blood sugars better, maybe get off your medications. If you're an athlete, maybe it's eating the way to give yourself endurance or Mm -hmm. recover. Um, If you have IBS, maybe it's um, trying to find the foods that don't trigger your digestive symptoms. So I think it's really different for everyone. But I think it's just finding the foods that make you feel your best that you can incorporate in your life pretty easily and not have to stress over all the time. Um, yeah. And I think there's always a role for less nutritious foods too. Mm-hmm. We have to nourish our souls. For sure. <laughs> it's yeah. It's corny, but it's true. I, I mean, I think that's great. And I think so many people forget that nutrition has to be customized to 
your mm-hmm. own needs. hundred percent. But it sounds like from what you're saying, for everyone, nutrition is basically your fuel. Yeah. Right. And obviously, and based on your needs, you would need a different type of totally. Fuel, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, it's it's interesting because, you know, for for better or worse, I'm sure you're going to argue worse. Um, <laughs> nutrition, at least the way the media portrays it or the way we see it in the public consciousness, it's so much more focused on just weight loss or fat loss, mm-hmm. even though obviously weight loss and fat loss are not a sustainable goal over the long term because there's only so much you can possibly lose, right? Right, and it's not healthy to lose that much either. Yeah, right. exactly. Mm-hmm. So so I, I'm wondering, like, when we look at wellness in general, including this component of nutrition, what does it mean to be healthy? Because I think so much, so many of us are focused on a number on a scale mm-hmm. or a physical shape that we're trying to achieve. But in your in your opinion... What is it? To, what does it mean to be healthy? Um, so I think healthy is kind of a balance between not just your physical well-being, but also your mental and emotional state. And I, I mean, it, you're never going to be perfect in all three, and it's always a bit of a work in progress. But mm-hmm. you know, some people might be in the best physical shape of their life, like they look amazing, or you know, have rock hard abs, or whatever that goal is. But they're doing it by sacrificing so much yeah you know they're sacrificed they're so stressed out they they fear every single food that comes on their plate like they mm. don't go to dinner with their friends and family because you know the foods that they eat aren't going to be at that restaurant you know so it's like that is not healthy yeah to me. they're also super annoying sometimes <laughs> when you go out with them and eat and they're counting yeah. macros <laughs> i mean I, it's just i don't think that's a way to live i yeah. don't know like that is never my goal and like yes you know, I understand people want to lose weight if they hold like excess weight, but mm-hmm. um, I think just not having that as the main focus and instead focusing on how how you feel like, are you able to go about your day and like focus at work or mm-hmm. focus on school? Like, do you have energy throughout the day? Are you like, how strong do you feel in your workouts? Not so much like what is the number on the scale? Cause totally. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Right. Like, even like so say an athlete is pure muscle like they're gonna weigh way more than you know someone who's skinnier but like does isn't fit you know so mm-hmm. but like they're way healthier i don't know it's yeah i think it's a silly goal <laughs> well and, and an athlete or let's say mm-hmm. you know an actor or actress who needs rock hard abs mm-hmm. they're working really hard to get that and yeah. it's it's not a fair comparison because if you're don't, if you don't want to work that hard or don't want to make that sacrifice and it's not even tied to your work or your job, mm-hmm. um, we just have to keep that in mind that it's like that's not a fair comparison to be like, why can't I look like that? Or not <laughs> at all. They have like private chefs and yeah. it's their job to go to the gym every single day for hours and hours. Like most people don't have that time and, mm-hmm. you know, so. I um I did a sort of a transformation uh, a few years ago where I I lost 50 pounds in six months. Okay, so I wow. went from 225 mm-hmm. to 175. And mm-hmm. currently I'm somewhere in the middle. Okay. And I, I tend to fluctuate in, in weight as it is. But um, one thing I noticed is when I was when I first started to lose the weight, um, and, and most, of, most of the process, I would say, I was feeling like I had way more energy. Like, because mm-hmm. I was eating clean. I wasn't even e- eating vegetables at the time. So, <laughs> so I started eating vegetables. I was eating cleaner. Mm-hmm. I just found like... I didn't need coffee because 
I could sustain my energy throughout the day. Mm-hmm. And then it got to a point where, you know, 175 was quite slim for me. And I had like morning abs, but I wanted like all the time abs, <laughs> which is very that. difficult. But I found that I, as I got towards that 175 and, and, and at that range, I all those things that I didn't like about my lifestyle started to come back in the sense like I felt like I was tired and I felt mm-hmm. I wasn't as happy anymore because I was eating boiled chicken and kale every day. <laughs> right. And and that's when I something sort of clicked where I was like, no, like this was great and I'm glad I could do that. But there does have to be a balance. Right? I 100% agree. <laughs> it makes me happy that you said that. I mean, that's a that's incredible that you were able to do that. But I think it's so important that you realize like, Life isn't about just boiled chicken and kale and having rock hard abs all day long. Yeah, and because I wasn't having fun. Like I'd be that guy going out with his Mm -hmm. friends and being like, "Yeah, I'll get the salad without dressing (laughs) and without this and without that," and um, I just was not enjoying myself. So I realized that you know I didn't have to go revert to the previous lifestyle I had, but there was a good balance that I could strike in the middle. One hundred percent. Nutrition is a complicated field to navigate through as a lay person Mm -hmm. so I know for me I get basically informed by the media or things I'll hear on other podcasts (laughs) a lot of bro science but from your vantage point as a registered dietitian how much of what we read about uh, in terms of nutrition in the media or see on tv is really based on hard science Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> I don't think I have an exact percentage. Sure, of what yeah, is, yeah. Yeah, like, it's impossible to know. Um, but a lot of it is not based on hard <laughs> science. Let's put it that way. Um, I think what people need to realize is that nutrition science is really hard to conduct. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how familiar you are, you are with how the research process not at all okay oh the research process (laughs) yeah yeah. but in any science yeah a little bit yeah but let's go over that yeah uh, so like the you know the gold standard for an uh scientific research is an experiment or a controlled clinical trial with randomized subjects or Mm -hmm. whatever it is and that is really hard to conduct in humans and with nutrition because it is impossible to isolate a single nutrient or a single food and force a group of humans to eat that one food or nutrient for their entire lives and see what the effect is on their health. Yeah. Like ethically, we just can't do that. So a lot of the time we do it in animals or a lot of the time the research that we do is observational or, Mm. or, you know, it's based on people's self-reported food habits, which we know a lot of people lie about. Yeah. So it's, it's really, it's, it's really hard to conduct the actual science. Mm -hmm. And a lot of um, a, a lot of journalists and media personalities and um, like celebrities that share their nutrition info, they aren't trained scientists, right? Mm. So they might not really understand how that process works, and so they might find the results of one study and just completely blow it out of proportion, simply because, in like in any other industry, it's sensationalism. It's controversy that makes headlines and grabs people's attention right right so they might take the findings from one study and take it as fact but that's not really how science works right (laughs) you have to replicate the science so like yeah and see how the results of that one study fit into a bigger 
picture of all the research. Mm-hmm. So it's confusing. I mean, it's even confusing for, for myself and other health professionals, right? Like a lot of what's coming out now isn't even what I learned in school, right? Really? Even though yeah. I graduated like what, like five months ago. <laughs> so it's it's constantly changing. It's evolving. It's yeah. really young science. I mean, compared to other sciences, we've only really been... It's only been in the last like 30 or 40 years that we've actually looked at nutrition and chronic disease and mm. different foods and whatnot before nutrition science science was very much on micronutrient deficiencies and figuring out like what the you know the optimum level or minimum level of a vitamin is so mm-hmm. yeah it's it's a confusing science <laughs> for sure yeah mm-hmm. w- one one thing i learned uh recently i sort of knew a bit of this or i knew that there was an argument but um one thing I learned recently is about your metabolic rate and Mm -hmm. it sounds like it's basically fixed for each person. And obviously as you grow older or uh, maybe put on some muscle or whatever Mm -hmm. changes a little bit, but it's not this thing that you can like boost with, with food or supplements (laughs) in the way that it's marketed as right. Right. Like, but you'll see so much, like if you just go to any health food store, there's so many different, (laughs) yeah, so many different items talking about how they're going to boost your metabolism or, Uh, a show like Dr. Oz will tell you, you know, the 10 foods you should eat to boost your metabolism, right. even though it doesn't seem like there's much evidence. S- yeah, evidence to it or science behind it. Yeah, and say. usually there isn't. I mean, a lot of these claims, you know, maybe it's a certain food that in a particular dosage maybe boosts your metabolism a little bit mm-hmm. or or I don't I don't I honestly don't even really know, but it's like, <laughs> you know, they're saying that like there's like in chili peppers there's a component that might boost your metabolism but like how many chili peppers do you actually have to eat to get that tiny little effect like yeah i don't know i think one of the best ways to actually boost your um metabolism or energy expenditure like is to build more muscle yeah yeah that's kind of just one bur- of the... that just burns more calories yeah. throughout the yeah. day and even so, in rest yeah again and, and building more muscle kind of makes you gain more weight and I see a, a lot where people are in the gym all the time. And they're like, why isn't the scale moving? I'm like, but your body composition has changed completely. Like, why are you so fixated on this number? Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah. Um, there are many crash diets and fad diets. And we we're sort of talking about, you know, people trying to boost their metabolism or, or do these crazy things. Um, some of them come in the form of a cleanse. What is a cleanse? Because... <laughs> Uh, even though I, I buy into everything, I did not ever buy into this idea of a cleanse because I figured that we have organs in our body that clean out the toxins for us. Like, am I wrong or is no, that? No, you're completely right. Okay. <laughs> we have livers and kidneys. <laughs> um, yeah, though our liver and our kidneys, they work tirelessly to detox our bodies. And if we truly needed a detox, like something is much more seriously wrong. <laughs> um, I don't even think there's a real definition for what a cleanse is. I think it's kind of a trendy word to throw around. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like ju- juice cleanses, oh, they just bug me so much. Like there's, they're so devoid of nutrients. Like there's mm-hmm. no fat, there's no protein, there's no fiber. It's basically just sugar and some vitamins and minerals. But you can't even absorb some of those vitamins without the fat, like in your diet. And, right. And sh- you know, maybe you will lose some weight initially, and like, or like right after. Um, but then as soon as you're done the cleanse, you're gonna go back to eating the way you were before, and you're back in square one. You're gonna one. put it back. Yeah, on. you yeah. learn. You learn absolutely nothing, and yeah. you're miserable and grumpy <laughs> and stressed. And 
I don't know. So so juice cleanse or I know master cleanse is like a very popular one. These basically have no benefit. Is that just to yeah. be clear? Yeah. yeah okay. Just to be clear. <laughs> no, I would not recommend them to anyone. I mean, if you want a green juice every now and then, like that's totally fine. But yeah. if it's all you're drinking for a week, like that's just there's it's very poor nutrition. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, and I want to stick on to this topic about weight loss and fat loss because it is such a publicized area of mm-hmm. nutrition. When we look at if if you're if you're looking to lose weight, are we ultimately looking at and I should say lose fat actually if we're if we're looking to lose fat, does this ultimately boil down to calories in versus calories out? Is it just a basic equation? No, I mean I think that's what we've thought for so long, but mm. it's clearly oversimplified. Um, you know, it doesn't take into account how different foods are metabolized in the body, like you know fat is metabolized differently than protein, which is metabolized differently than carbohydrates. And even within a macronutrient group, they're meta- like fructose is metabolized differently than so glucose. what like, do you mean by metabolized? What does that mean? Just like the way that the the food breaks down in your body and produces energy, essentially. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So it's different for every type of food. And, and it also discounts our genetics. It discounts like so many other our hormones, like all these other factors that play a role. Mm-hmm. I don't think we have an exact answer, but it's clearly much more complicated than that. And I think there's there's new studies coming out that show that if we focus on diet quality rather than calorie counting, we're more likely to lose weight. Mm. Um, and again, the calorie counting, like, it, it doesn't focus on nutrient quality at all. It's like saying that 100 calories of soda is the same as 100 calories of avocado, you know. But right. clearly that's not true. Like we need the, the nutrients in the avocados and in the whole foods to make all, like our bodies work basically. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. And mm-hmm. it, I mean, it's, it sounds funny to talk about it, because, but you know that if you're just eating junk food and say you you match up the caloric intake mm-hmm. like you're having junk food 2000 calories a day versus having vegetable and lean protein mm-hmm. at 2000 calories a day you feel different 100 <laughs> 100 you feel, like right. there's nothing in i mean again i i think there's a, a place for those junk foods too every now and then but yeah those like 100 calorie snack packs or diet sodas and stuff with zero calories like they're clearly not working. Yeah. Right. So it's it's definitely something more than that. I just don't think we have the full picture. Is diet soda not not good? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not a fan of okay. artificial sweeteners. Oh, fair enough. Uh, yeah. To be honest, um, there's a lot of interesting research on them as well that they might cause insulin resistance. They might increase hunger. Hmm. Um, they might um, affect our gut microbiome. So it's. You know, and and they've been introduced, and the the rate of intake of them has gone up so much, but so has the obesity epidemic and diabetes and all that. So right. clearly, they're not they're not working. Well, they're no kombucha. <laughs> no, they're no kombucha. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'd rather you have that like little bit of sugar in the kombucha than a ton of diet soda. For yeah, sure. even though there's no calories. So. As uh, to to go back to the junk food thing, as I've gotten older, I find I find like say if I um. If I eat poorly the night before, mm-hmm. I almost feel 
a little hungover the next day. <laughs> like if for whatever reason, even if I don't drink alcohol, but if I had like a pizza night or something or watching, you know, mm-hmm. the fights or hanging out with some guys and um, I had a bunch of pizza, I find the next day I can actually feel it. Like I feel gross. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's fair. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I guess my, my point is that it's, it's, it's something that intuitively like we should know. But mm-hmm. I think we have been fixated into it's all about what you put in versus how much you expend in terms yeah. of working out or whatever yeah. else. Yeah, so. and you know, every day we expend different amounts of calories and like there's no, yeah. it's just, yeah, I don't know. It's complicated. <laughs> Nutrition is so complicated. And, and it should also be pointed out that um, in terms of your expenditure of calories, there's only so much you can add on. Like even if you did mm-hmm. work out, an hour and a half every day mm-hmm. that's only so many calories right? for sure and, and you tend to be hungrier as well <laughs> exactly it, it it doesn't often work in the way that you want it to and yeah the majority of our calories is our basal metabolic rate um so that's just everything that's keeping us alive you know like breathing mm-hmm. for instance or like our heart pumping and so that's the majority of our caloric expenditure i guess yeah mm-hmm. yeah one thing that i've seen become very popular and i don't know if it's a crash diet or a fad diet but i'd like your comment on it is this idea of intermittent fasting including some 24-hour fasts as well mm-hmm. um are these effective um and i've heard not just for weight loss but for other uh benefits as well um are these good for you or, or <laughs> is it sort of juries out or right um so there are there have been studies done that have looked at intermittent fasting and they have found benefits. Like you mentioned, it seems to be like a whole list of things. I, I mm-hmm. couldn't even name them all, to be honest. But a lot of these studies are done, again, in rats. And so mm. everything that's done in an animal, guess it has value, but we need to take it with a grain of salt, of course. Right. Um, so in terms of weight loss, um, it has been shown to help with weight loss but not more than another weight loss intervention. Such as? So, I don't know, like like any other weight loss okay. intervention. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, you know, in, you know, having more whole foods or calorie counting or whatever oh, it is. I like, see. Okay. Um, it doesn't work better than those, let's put it that way. Um, oh, okay, gotcha. So, and it doesn't come out, come without risk, right? If you're, if you're someone who has diabetes or hypoglycemia or if you're pregnant or breastfeeding or on certain medications or have a history of disordered eating, it's really something that's not advised. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, it can, it can mess with your metabolism. It can, it's been shown to cause um, like hormonal um, issues in women and fertility issues in women. Um, And yeah, it's, it's not without risk. Mm -hmm. That said, for some people it might work, but it, will likely not work for every no diet will ever work for everyone right so if you're someone that cannot go that many hours without food like don't force yourself to do it (laughs) i personally could never do it like i get so hangry when i don't eat for like three hours yeah yeah fair enough so um, it's it's an interesting thing but again i think it kind of impacts there's like social like you know if you if you have dinner plans at eight o'clock and it doesn't fit into your window like it's yeah silly. it's kind of a bummer <laughs> right it's like hey well like what about your life you know so yeah mm-hmm. it, uh, fasting i find is part of a big part of the ketogenic diet which has mm-hmm. been very popular especially in the bro science sphere <laughs> um what is the keto diet 
Why is it so popular? Is it effective? Um, so the keto diet is essentially one that is really low in carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. I think around 5% of your calories or something like that. Um, it's also moderately low in protein because protein can actually get converted into glucose. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's mm. why it's lower in protein as well. Um, but, and then it's really, really high in fat. And so I guess the premise behind keto, especially for weight loss, is that... Uh, so glucose is our preferred source of fuel for the body. So glucose mm -hmm. comes from carbohydrates. So if we don't eat enough carbohydrates, our body will turn to fat for fuel so it'll mm -hmm. essentially i guess burn fat as people say and that produces ketone bodies and so your body is in a state of ketosis it's kind of like a survival mechanism actually um so yeah that's kind of like what what people go for in terms of like the weight loss but that doesn't sound healthy no, for your body I, to be in a survival mechanism. Exactly. So, yeah. you know, that's the thing. It's like, it's again, it's not without risk. Like a lot of people complain about the keto flu. Like they have, I, I just learned that term. So <laughs> they have headaches, they're nauseous, they are really low in energy. Like they don't have enough fuel for their workouts. You know, their blood sugars can drop. Like hmm. we, and, and traditionally like we view high fat diets especially if it's high in saturated fat again the jury is kind of out on this again mm -hmm. but that might increase your cholesterol levels um and so on and so forth so it's definitely not without risk there are some interesting studies going on using keto for um other disease states so like traditionally the only clinical use of keto right now is for epilepsy Really? Yeah. Okay. So, interesting. Yeah. There, so, I don't know the exact mechanism, but somehow it reduces seizure occurrence in these patients. And it's pretty interesting. So I guess now they're looking at using keto for um, like other neurological disorders and then also for uh, diabetes, I think, is one of the more promising areas. So mm. we'll see. Um, again, weight loss, like it'll probably work initially but is it sustainable is kind of yeah and, and what are the long-term risks we don't really know right so. interesting and mm -hmm. and i guess in the keto like when you say five percent carbs you're basically just getting your carbs from um from the vegetables right like you're, if you're, you're not even allowed fruit <laughs> i think you're allowed berries because okay. they're like a low carbohydrate fruit but okay i know so many well, not so many people, but I think a lot of people take keto as an excuse to just eat bacon and cheese and put butter in their coffee. <laughs> and they're not actually eating any vegetables. So if you are going to do keto, like if you're adamant about it, do it wisely. You know, like have those non-starchy vegetables, um, you know, have avocado, mm -hmm. have olive oil, that kind of thing. So Okay. I don't know. Fair enough. Well, <laughs> uh, as we're warning uh, listeners and or at least letting them know about the risks of certain diets mm -hmm. is there anything that um, that you've seen that maybe that's being pushed in the media that isn't true or maybe is misleading with regards to dieting or anything regards to nutrition um, hmm. I'm not really sure I think again everything is just kind of it's so it's so polarized you know like one day coconut oil is this miracle food and then the <laughs> next you hear a harvard professor saying or a harvard doctor or something saying that it's pure poison right and yeah. so with any claims like that um 
I think just kind of go in the middle. <laughs> it's, let's. Right. I want to talk about that because coconut oil is very trendy and mm-hmm. um, I've used it in food. I've used it on my skin. I've used it in my <laughs> hair. Um, but let's let's stick the nutri- nutrition part. Um, is is it the best oil to use? Or I've also heard arguments for avocado oil. Mm-hmm. And of course, olive oil has also been lauded for much longer mm-hmm. than that. What oil or oils should I be using in my food? And perhaps more importantly, how should I be using them? Yeah. Okay. I like this question. <laughs> um, so coconut oil. You I'm know, sorry if you didn't like any of the other ones. <laughs> no, but like anything with cooking. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Um, so coconut oil. Yeah. I don't think it's quite the miracle food that we've always believed or like people think like I wouldn't, it's not something I would be putting in my coffees or in my smoothies or anything like that, but definitely using it to cook. Um, I think it's really good for baking. Mm. So if you want to replace butter or if you just like that flavor of coconut oil, sometimes like sauteing your vegetables tastes really good in it. Mm-hmm. I personally like to saute bananas and apples. And oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And it kind of caramelizes them. It's really good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, coconut oil is good for that. Avocado oil is excellent. I really like it. It's, um, it has a really high smoke point. So the smoke point is essentially the temperature at which the oil will start to burn and smoke. Mm. So avocado oil is really good for high heat cooking. Um, so like because when you, when it when an oil burns and smokes, it changes the characteristics of, or the nutritional characteristics. Yeah, of yeah, oil, right? and okay. and sometimes the taste. And it's okay, just, fair. You know, enough. it doesn't necessarily make it bad for you, but it just it doesn't have those same benefits that it might. Um, gotcha. In the, normal form and then um you know olive oil has definitely the most research on it like it's a Mm -hmm. very heart healthy oil um i mean it tastes delicious but it doesn't have the highest smoke point either so using that more for medium heat cooking um using it in salad dressings Mm. i like to just drizzle olive oil on everything i eat so like veggies and if you eat meat like it tastes really good on top of that fish or whatever right yeah I also find when I go to Whole Foods or, um, you know, if I drive down south of the border and go to Trader Joe's, there's also other different types of oils like grapeseed oil and flaxseed mm-hmm. oil. And are they comparable or is it you can, or anything? Maybe they're better. I don't know. Yeah, um, I, they're comparable. I think there's, you know, if you want like a bit of a different flavor, you know, there's peanut oil, there's mm. sesame seed oil, there's walnut oil like there's so many a lot some of them you just have to kind of do your research some of them aren't really for cooking again they're more for like a finishing oil right um so yeah there's tons of options and i think getting a variety is always is always good yeah but i is that important in terms of what you eat is trying to eat a variety of foods yeah 100 percent. yeah so even if you're eating a a let's say you're eating a staple meal but you're eating that meal three times a day and it's healthy, but it's it doesn't have everything, right? It has mm-hmm. some kale, some avo, and mm-hmm. some protein. But if you're just eating that, not good. I mean, it's not bad, but yeah, yeah getting I always aim for variety so that when you when you eat a variety of foods, you have to think a lot less about oh, am I getting enough of this vitamin or this? You right. know, it's like you don't have to think about that so much when you're just eating a bunch of different kinds of whole foods. Yeah, cool. Yeah. One nutrition trend that I hear about a lot involves the gut biome. And I guess that's the um, bacteria that lives in your gut. Mm -hmm. 
there have been many revelations about gut health with an emphasis to eat probiotic-rich foods, and this would include yogurt and kimchi. And of course, uh, you know, kombucha has been up there, as we've discussed. <laughs> um, and, and also uh, probiotic supplements um, have been quite popularized lately as well. From what I know and what I've read, and I don't know if this is true, but I would love to hear from you, gut health apparently does affect things like mood and the body's overall functions. As far as the science goes, what do we know so far about gut health? Mm -hmm. I think it's a really fascinating area of research, and I think there's a huge focus on this, and we're going to definitely learn a lot more Mm -hmm. as time goes on. that said, it's it's super preliminary, and a lot of the research has been done, again, in animal studies. But you're right. There's been research showing that it's related to, like, having a healthy gut microbiome might decrease depression. It might um, mm. lower rates of anxiety. Um, it's, you know, implicated in obesity. Um, there's actually a really interesting study that's been done with, it's in, um, again, in animals, but they basically looked at the different gut microbiomes of a lean and an obese individual. And they saw that the the lean individual had a much more diverse microbiome. And then what they did was they mm. took that, like, they, I guess they took, like, bacterial cultures from the human microbiome and put it into twin rats. So really? one rat had the lean person's bacteria and the other rat had the obese person's bacteria. And then they fed them the exact same diet and only the obese, I guess you could call it the obese rat, was the one that gained weight. And wow. so, yeah, so I think, again, that goes to show it's not calories in, calories out, that maybe our microbiome plays a huge role when it comes to our weight management, um, yeah. how we metabolize food. And yeah, it's a really fascinating area of research. Um it, again, nothing's super conclusive yet, but um, definitely stay tuned. <laughs> that That's crazy, though. So mm-hmm. even though the rats were eating the same thing, the rat that was given the biome from mm-hmm. the obese individual but gained continued weight. to gain weight. Yeah. Exactly. So maybe, mm-hmm. you know, that's why maybe you, you know that person that can eat whatever they want and never gain a pound, whereas other people can't do that so maybe it has to do with our microbiome mm-hmm. like we don't really know but it's a possibility so yeah super cool and and i think all the mental health stuff connected to it is is really fascinating as well totally yeah mm-hmm. well and again um maybe intuitive um but i know anytime i've been on antibiotics mm-hmm. i don't feel great and i feel real dumb <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and i don't know if i feel sad but i i definitely do not feel like myself and mm-hmm. Once I'm able to cycle off it or, or whatever, um, when I do start feeling like, like myself, I feel so much happier, mm-hmm. right? Like, I don't know if I'm sad during the, that period, but I, I definitely know, like, once I feel 100%, mm-hmm. then I'm just like, oh, my God, how is I living? <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting. And I think, there, I think a, a lot of problems stem from the fact that we've overprescribed so many antibiotics, mm. right? And we're such a sanitary society like all these hand sanitizers and everything that we're using like might actually have a negative effect on our microbiome Mm -hmm. it's pretty interesting for sure Mm -hmm. so i guess uh, still on the topic of um, gut health and Mm -hmm. um, probiotics i guess can a balanced diet be healthy for your gut or 
should we be going out of our way to in, to ensure that our diet includes probiotic rich foods? Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely a balanced diet is one of the best things that you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know a lot of people are familiar with the term probiotic. So that's the actual live bacteria that has health benefits, mm-hmm. but they might not be as familiar with the term prebiotic. I don't know if you've ever oh, heard of that. No. <laughs> okay. So, so prebiotics are essentially the foods that the probiotic bacteria feeds on. So it helps the, those bacteria, the good bacteria proliferate basically. Interesting. So it's really important to eat prebiotic rich foods. And so what are those foods? Those foods are um, ones that are high, like rich in fiber. So things like bananas, things like garlic, onions, leek, asparagus, um, whole grains, beans, lentils, etc. Mm. Those are all really rich sources of prebiotics. Um, important to note that those are also all carbohydrates. Oh, we'll get <laughs> uh, into that in a second. Yeah, so, <laughs> you know, a lot of these people on these keto diets and whatnot, not eating enough carbs, like that might have a negative effect on our microbiome. Like mm. We don't really know, right? So... Yeah, definitely a balanced, a variety of those and probiotic rich foods too, like fermented foods, you know, like you mentioned, kimchi, sauerkraut, yogurt, um, kefir is really good. Mm -hmm. And kombucha. (laughs) Of course, of course. (laughs) Can't forget the booch. (laughs) So, but, but those foods, like the probiotic rich foods, Mm -hmm. including even, you know, yogurt and kimchi, Mm I don't know if those are necessarily staples or at least staples here, because a lot of people, when they get older, they don't. They don't have dairy products, right? Yeah. Um, kimchi is a cultural right. dish. Mm-hmm. Uh, kombucha, you know, obviously I'm a fan, but most people aren't. Um, so I'm just wondering, like, so if you have your prebiotics covered and you are eating healthy, mm-hmm. should you be looking into having probiotic-rich food, or are you okay without the yogurt, without without that other stuff? Or does mm-hmm. it really depend? I, I really don't know the answer. Yeah. Um, I think – you know, I think it's great to include. Maybe it's not necessary. Or like you said, there there are different cultures that eat different things. So maybe if you are, you know, from a more European culture, you will be having that yogurt, but you're not going to necessarily have that kimchi or whatever. And right. like, that's okay. Yeah. Um, I think just, yeah, I don't know. Again, the balanced diet <laughs> and getting the fiber, I think, is really important. Okay. Yeah. And in terms of supplements, it's kind of... And that's where I was going to go. Next yeah, is. again, I'm I'm not super well versed with the probiotic supplements. Like, there's so many different strains, mm-hmm. and we don't really know what every single strain does. Um, <laughs> I know, but really we're selling it exactly. Well, that, oh, well, at like, a very expensive price. Yeah, as well. uh, the supplement industry is like a whole other beast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's I think food first. I, I I always believe in food first. Yeah. Um, I think soon we'll we'll know better about the supplements, and and of course there are certain companies that do the research Mm -hmm. but i don't think they're i don't think everyone has to take them just yet so right Mm -hmm. Uh, just a quick question i I don't know if you'll know the answer to this some probiotics that they sell like some supplements Mm -hmm. they're in a refrigerated um place in in this in the uh, pharmacy or whatever but then some other ones aren't is that right I almost think, I don't know if that's a gimmick, but I just feel like if it's refrigerated, it's probably better. <laughs> the more legit one. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're keeping it alive. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I actually really don't know yeah. the answer that. But okay, I, it is enough. interesting. Why why are some in the fridge? I feel like I tend to gravitate towards, I mean, I don't take a probiotic every day, but mm-hmm. 
I have in the past and I always think the fridge ones are better, but that just might be me. I don't know. Yeah. But there's, but you don't know of any. I, I actually don't so, know. Yeah. <laughs> I really don't know. Um, on Monday I'm attending a, a gut health symposium. So that's like a four hour talk on all the new research. So okay. I'll know more then. <laughs> well, maybe I'll have to have you back and we can yeah. just talk just gut Just about health. the gut. Okay, yeah. I'm down. Um, wh- one thing I want to touch on is um, carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. We, We've sort of brought this up a little bit. I feel like carbs get a bad rap. Are they the devil? No. (laughs) (laughs) They're really not the devil. I mean, I think we forget that carbohydrates aren't just bread and, like, pasta and donuts and Mm -hmm. chips. Like, carbs are – every vegetable is a carbohydrate. Every Mm -hmm. fruit is a carbohydrate. Beans, legumes, like, nuts, seeds. Even dairy has – the lactose is a carbohydrate, right. like that's a sugar. Um, so to eliminate carbohydrates from our diet, we eliminate so much, right? So mm-hmm. it's, it's I, I really don't think it's healthy to completely get rid of carbs. I don't think we need to eat as much that has always been recommended. I mm-hmm. think like the, um, like the macronutrient ranges that have been proposed, they're saying that it's like, 45 to 65 percent of your diet should be carbohydrates is kind of what we've always gone on i don't think it has to be that high i think for certain people it might work better for them if it's a bit lower than that but mm. they're, they're really they're not the devil like <laughs> i don't know why <laughs> they get so much hate like i feel I, like i love carbs <laughs> so yeah i think i think there's a role for them um but just choosing the right ones you know so it's interesting because the story of carbs is very much the same story as calories, right? Where it's more about the quality mm-hmm. and the type that you're inta- like taking 100%. in as opposed to just trying to completely eliminate or minimize um, your intake, mm-hmm. right? Uh, yeah, I agree. Quality over quantity. Yeah. <laughs> in most things in life. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, let, let's talk about... Um, some of your recipes that, that you okay. provide and, and your Instagram a little bit. You you prepare these beautiful meals. And, and again, like just the look of them, that's art in itself. Um, they look extremely delicious. And uh, they seem to be pretty nutritious. Like you keep the, the ingredients pretty simple. Mm-hmm. And even when you describe the prep, like it doesn't seem like it's anything too crazy. What is the philosophy behind you, your recipes? Because as a health professional... You're obviously trying to share recipes that are more than just delicious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I guess I want to. One of my a big mission of mine is to simplify nutrition and give people ideas and tools that they can actually use and like mm-hmm. show them recipes that they can actually make. Like nothing takes three hours to make. You don't need these crazy obscure ingredients to to be healthy and I think a lot of the time we we think we do because that's what's told to us you know we're we think we have to take all these adaptogens and powders and all this stuff but we don't we Mm -hmm. really don't and so I just want to show people how they can take the nutrition advice that we're given and like actually implement it Mm -hmm. right and I'm someone who believe it or not like six years ago I barely knew how to cook Um, so I, I kind of taught myself, so nothing is super complicated, but that's kind of the point Mm -hmm. is that you don't need so much time, um, 
and so much money to like make all these uh, like healthy meals like it's it's doable mm-hmm. um and i i, I want to help people get past that fear of the kitchen or the fear of foods and just just give them inspiration really that they can use so yeah and as you said i mean these meals do look fairly easy to make there's nothing crazy no they really isn't. I, again they look beautiful but they're because they if they weren't no one would click on my instagram page, yeah so. but in the actual preparation of what you're eating it's not no not at all like n- really not at all they're they're really a lot of it is just like i like to batch cook certain ingredients so mm. like on a sunday i like to make like a big batch of whole grains, maybe roast some vegetables, maybe prepare some salmon or some hard boiled eggs or whatever it is. And then throughout the week, I can really easily put together a meal in like 15 minutes because I have those ingredients that take a long time to make right? already prepared. And then I'll just add like the fresh vegetables or, you know, those the fresher ingredients um, that evening. And I, I find that really works for me and for people who are busy. So... Yeah. So there, a lot of them are really fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how many how many takes do you have to do on each photo? <laughs> oh god. Um it'll really vary. Like if I have good lighting, sometimes it's <laughs> like not. I also just shoot everything on my iPhone. Oh, do you? Okay. Yeah, cool. so everyone I get so many DMs. They're like, "What equipment do you use?" <laughs> I'm like, "My iPhone 7." <laughs> like um yeah, I don't know how many takes. Some are like if you go through my camera roll it's kind of embarrassing it's yeah. like just bowls of oatmeal and like avocados <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny love it yeah, yeah. <laughs> so okay not takes on um in terms of photos oh. but how about takes in terms of, no i did ask that oh, but, okay. <laughs> but how about takes in terms of getting a, a recipe right like for every winner that you want to share with uh, people that are following you how many sort of things do you do you does not make the cut, I guess. Uh, yeah, I don't really know. I mean, a lot of what I share on my Instagram aren't full recipes. A lot of it mm. is just what I'm eating at the moment. So, again, it's a lot of, like, throwing together that grain with the veggies that I have that are seasonal. or whatever. But if I do do, like, a, a recipe development for a company or something, like, that's a bit different. Like, I mm. want to make sure it's, like, a proper recipe. Yeah. I usually don't measure anything. And so sometimes people are like, what's the recipe? I'm like, oh, my God, I don't know. <laughs> um, so it'll totally vary. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, <clears throat> you're you're quite popular on Instagram. You're now launching uh, your own practice here in yeah. Vancouver. <laughs> When's that going to be up? Um, so I, um, I just signed the lease to my office space. So I'm getting it on November 1st. Okay. So I guess when this goes live, I'll be we'll up be and November running for when business. This goes live. Yeah, yeah. So I, I haven't actually announced it on my Instagram yet. So okay. the plan is for next week. Um, I've just kind of told like some people. I I find a lot of people are super interested. Like when I tell them what I do, they're like, "Oh my god!" Like I have this issue, and like I need yeah. to come see you. So I'm. I'm just kind of going for it. I, I don't know. I hope it works out. So, Are, are you calling it Walter Wellness? I am. Okay. I just got my business license last week. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> or this week, maybe. Yeah. I don't know anymore. Well, um, you, you you just mentioned like a lot of people think it's pretty cool and they, they ask you for advice. Based on your online presence, your offline presence in terms of people asking you questions, what do you think is the biggest challenge for everyone to re- achieve their nutritional goals and and more specifically to achieve a certain mindfulness in their nutrition yeah I think I mean like like just based on the discussion we had I think 
just the the noise and the confusion mm-hmm. in the media of what they should and should not be eating i think it, it can be really hard to tune that out i think also um just the lives that we live are are so fast-paced we're so busy you know everyone's eating at their desk or yeah. while they're on their phone or while they're watching tv or like in the car driving to work and it's so hard to be mindful in those instances mm-hmm. like it's it's impossible like you're, you're not focusing on what you're eating and i think it's interesting that in different cultures they really value um the meal time you know they take an hour out of their day and yeah. have lunch like who takes an hour for lunch <laughs> like, no one um but they do and uh, you know they're not counting calories and restricting carbohydrates and stressing about everything that they're eating but they don't have those same epidemics of obesity and chronic disease like we do mm-hmm. it only really becomes once that fast food is introduced into their society yeah um so yeah it's i think just the world that we live in and our culture is it's really hard to be mindful and i i kind of encourage people to if they can just take like even if it's just 20 minutes to really focus on what they're eating you know turn off your phone turn off your emails and just eat slowly like really chew your food and and taste it a lot of us don't even taste what we're eating and mm-hmm. like a lot of the time we're overeating because we're so distracted and then we're so full by the time <laughs> we're finished and then or we don't even taste and enjoy the food that that's why we're craving something after and uh, yeah it's it's i don't know i think being mindful is it's tough i totally get it mm-hmm. i'm you know, guilty of answering emails and being on my phone when i eat too but just to try if you can. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a really poignant point that you just made about eating in a lot of cultures was about a social um, time that you take out of each mm-hmm. day, right? And we've we've made food this thing about of convenience mm-hmm. with all these like snacks right. and things on the go and that t- type of thing. And we've also started to make food quite individualized where you're working and you eat at your desk. Like Mm -hmm. you might not even go into the the common area where everyone's eating. Um, And I think you're right. Like I think that certainly takes away from the mindfulness of, of what you're having and that ritual of sitting around with a bunch of people, whether it's your family or your Mm -hmm. friends and enjoying a meal. Right. 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 Like people aren't enjoying their food anymore. It's, it's a source of stress to them. I find. I don't know. I mean, I'm, you know, my cultural background is my my parents are my mom's from Asia and my dad's from Europe and food is is very different there. Mm-hmm. You know, like I I've my, so my mom's from Malaysia and I've I've been there a few times and like food is <laughs> like food life is centered around food and like yeah. you just spend Great hours food, by the way. amazing food. <laughs> <laughs> um, but people enjoy it and no one's like, oh my god, there's so much fat in here, or too many carbs in this rice or. And they don't have the same problems that we do yeah. until, again, they, you know, they introduce KFC and McDonald's and then they start to see those issues. So yeah. I think there's just something a little bit off in our society. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Our diet culture. Well, we certainly have such an abundance and such an access to this abundance of, of food that we can have, uh, particularly in an urban cosmopolitan um, environment. Now, I, I certainly know that like a full nutritional assessment would take a lot of time. But if someone who you don't know uh, and they don't know anything about nutrition comes up to you and they say, you know, 
I just turned 30. My skin is breaking out. I've put on some weight in the last couple of years. I don't have enough energy to sustain me throughout the day. Like, I'm always so tired by 2 or 3 o'clock. What sort of things would you be asking them? Yeah. So you mean, like, not in a counseling session? <laughs> well, I mean, like, let's say you only have five minutes with them. Like, what's, what, what are sort of the basics in terms of, what they're what they're fe- uh, what they're feeling that you would kind of yeah. go over with them. Um, I guess I think it's important to actually see what they're eating, mm. and not only what they're eating, but like how they're eating throughout the day. Like, are they skipping meals all the time, like all day long, and then at night they're just so hungry because they've completely ignored all those hunger signals, and then they just eat everything. Like, right? Are, and it's so much more also than just food. Like, are they? you know, do they just sit at work all day long? Like, are mm-hmm. they super stressed out? Like, what's going on in their lives? Like, I don't know. It, it is really hard to and just... sleep too, right? Sl- oh, sleep is huge. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, sleep is big. And these are all things I, like you said, in a counseling session, our initial sessions are between an hour and an hour and a half. And like, we really dive deep into your entire nutrition history. Like, the your, your like, I get people to take a, a food journal for three days so we can really, I find writing stuff down really helps you to see patterns mm-hmm. in your eating. Um, you know, there, there's so much to ask. I, I really don't even know what I would say. Like it depends on the yeah. person. Yeah. So it wouldn't be as simple as just saying like, stop eating carbs. <laughs> <laughs> That's the last thing I would say. <laughs> no, I, yeah, no, definitely not. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Um, how do people get a hold of you? How do they find you on the internet? Um, so I guess the most active place is definitely my Instagram. So my handle is at Walder Wellness. And then I also have a website that's walderwellness.com. I am, you know, I pretty much ignored my website when I was in school, but now I'm trying to get a lot more recipes on there and mm. write more nutrition articles um, on all these different topics that we're talking about. Um, yeah. And then I guess, like we said, I'm, I'm just starting my practice so they can, if they're interested in you know private counseling, they can email me or, yeah. or, or DM me or whatever that is. All my contact info is online. So. Okay. So, and the private practice information will also be on the Walder wellness. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to well. put my, ad- well, yeah, I could put my address, I guess. Yeah. I just, or I, a phone number. Yeah. Or, yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I, I should get a business phone number. <laughs> That's probably something. It's all get. a work in progress. This is happening oh so quickly. It's so there's so much that like you have no idea. Is the space already with. built? Or, like yeah, you yeah. So move in and it's just good? a tiny little office space within an office. Cool. So okay. it's small, but I'll try to make it cute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, Carrie, I'd like to first of all welcome you back to Vancouver. Thank you. And uh, I want to. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule, clearly because you're starting a business, to uh, to be here with me. I, I really appreciate it. No, this was really fun. Thank you for having this me. This was really fun. And I hope once you learn everything there is to know about the gut biome, you come back and we do an episode just on the gut biome. Oh, I'd actually be into that. I think it's a really cool topic. I like talking about it more than diets. Yeah. So I think it's. It's really Can you make sure you forward on all my questions about kombucha? In, in the- <laughs> I'll just be that person in the front like, asking, what about kombucha? Yeah. I love it. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, she is a registered dietitian who is focused on evidence-based nutrition. She's the lovely Carrie Walder. And I'm Mo Amir telling you that in a city where you can be anything, be colorful. Peace. <laughs>